Israel's become a love affair for me and my family for uh, their whole life. And so it was not uh, difficult to come to the conclusion that we had to have significant pieces within the museum that dealt with Israel because it's referred to as the land of the Bible, and truly it is. This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. And I'm Chris Katolka. And as we begin, I'll remind you to visit foiradio.org to get your free one-year subscription to our wonderful and informative magazine, Israel, My Glory. If you love Israel and the Jewish people, if you love great Bible teaching, if you believe God has a future program for his people, Israel, call our listener line at 888-343-6940 to order your copy of Israel, My Glory. Once again, that's 888-343-6940. 6940. So today we're going to dedicate our entire show to the up-and-coming Museum of the Bible that's opening in Washington, D.C. And so we're fortunate today to have the president of the Museum of the Bible, Carrie Summers, joining us on the show. He's going to share with us what we can see and experience as we're walking through the Museum of the Bible. And my favorite part is this. He's going to also talk about the great connection that's being built between the state of Israel and the Museum of the Bible. Before we welcome Carrie Summers, Chris, tell us what's happening in Israel. Four Palestinians were jailed by their own government, the Palestinian Authority, for normalization with Israel, as Benjamin Netanyahu said. Last month, Israeli Oded Ravivi, head of the Ephrat Town Council, invited Palestinians to his house to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was this community-building effort that was declared a crime by the Palestinian Authority. You know, human rights violations against the Palestinians is a serious ongoing issue, but more often than not, it comes from their own leadership, not Israel, as many would have you think. Journalists and human rights groups should really shine a light on the corruption and abuse of the Palestinian people brought on by their own leadership. It's really high time the Palestinian Authority be held responsible for the way they treat their own people. Thanks, Chris. To listen to past programs or to read our notes for today's show, visit foiradio.org. And now we join Chris with our special guest, Carrie Summers, president of the Museum of the Bible. Just the other day, I was able to get on a train and to travel down to Washington, D.C. to visit Uh, the Museum of the Bible. If you've not heard of the Museum of the Bible, you need to check this out. And so it's perfect timing that just as I was down there getting a site tour of the Museum of the Bible, which, which is being built right now, I am also able right now to be able to interview Carrie Summers, who's the president of the Museum of the Bible. Carrie, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Chris. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Carrie, your resume that I have here could take up the entire time that we have on the radio program. You have been involved in many different businesses. You are an entrepreneur. But really, the one thing that comes through here is you have a real heart for the the Bible, and you have a real heart for communicating that to the people. Can you share a little bit about yourself before we get started? Oh sure, the you know the the resume is what it is. It's you know heavy within the, the thematic world of retailing and theme parks, and I think that uh, has played well for what we're trying to do in Washington, where we're taking um, the the Bible and trying to make it uh, academically uh, correct as possible as our, our presentations would be, but also quite entertaining. And the two are not opposite of each other. In fact, we're finding more and more. 
that they they really uh, have a great synergy between them. And uh, the the Bible has always been an incredible important part of my life for certainly the last forty years, and uh, teaching it uh, for over thirty five years, and then writing I guess hundreds if not thousands of pages of teaching and and having the opportunity to have seminars globally on different topics. So, you know, God has been amazingly uh, blessing us in that, and and it just evolved into what we're doing today. It really wasn't planned. I mean, we didn't have the end goal was not to one day build a you know a giant museum in Washington D.C. But uh, you know, God has a way of using those talents that people have, and uh, and use them for his glory. So that's what we're doing. Now, the Museum of the Bible is going to be a place where people can come to Washington, D.C., a central location, to see the history of the Bible, the impact of the Bible. What would somebody who's coming to Washington, D.C. experience when they're walking in for the first time into the Museum of the Bible? Well, that's a great question. They First of all, when they walk up to the building, they're going to be uh, overwhelmed because I think it's uh, architects said it's the largest entrance of any museum in the U.S. It, it has 40-foot-high bronze gates as you come in. It's the these bronze gates, one weighs 12 tons, one weighs 8 tons. It's taken from the first edition Gutenberg Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And that's your entry point. And then there's etched glass that uh, you're facing as you're walking in. And that's a 35-foot high. Uh, it's the oldest portion of Psalms 19, which is referred to as Septuagint, the Hebrew translations into Greek. And this is Greek. And uh, it's called the Bobner Papyrus. We happen to own that document. It's 3rd century. And they uh, so you've got Psalms 19 facing you also. So when you walk in, uh, that's a, that's quite impressive. But then when you get inside the first level, uh, and up to the ticketing and all the all the functions there on the first level, there's a 150 foot long uh, electronic ceiling that's uh, 20 foot wide, 150 foot long, it's 40 feet up in the air. That nobody's ever tried this this <laughs> high a pixel count on something that's laying flat. There's a lot of vertical stuff that's out there, but this is a ceiling you look up at, which is quite different. And it changes. Uh, it looks like murals, but it changes by the second, minute, hour, how often we want to change it. So when the person does come in, uh, they're going to really they could spend a lot of time just coming through the front doors and then being in the first level. It's quite magnificent, uh, and it's uh, been done by a lot of different design firms and artists who have come up with all this. So somebody who comes here, number one, they're going to get an amazing experience as they're walking into the Museum of the Bible. But let's say somebody who doesn't necessarily believe in the Bible or who doesn't have, a, you know, has never really opened the Bible before. Is this a place for them to go as well? Is, is this an experience for them? Or is it just for people who have a, a history with the Bible? Great question. Uh, the museum has, uh, if you read everything in the museum, and you want to see all 54 different video vignettes that we have throughout the museum, it takes you, it'll take you 72 hours to do wow. that. And so, what we everybody coming in gets a, a tablet, and in that tablet, it's it's we're creating the the software for these. It's not available in the anywhere in any other museum right now. You plug in how much time you have, what your interest levels are. You can pull in items into the tablet you want to go see, and then it takes you on the tour, and it knows about within one half inch of where you are at all times in the museum. 
So if you start wandering away, it'll you know kindly direct you, get back on the path. You're not going to get finished in time. <laughs> and uh, so wherever you're at, if you don't believe in the Bible, okay, great. You're 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 going to have a great time in this museum, or you have some knowledge, or you have great knowledge, and you can pick the level. And because the emphasis in the museum is the impact of the Bible, the stories of the Bible, and the history of the Bible, each of those occupy over 55,000 square foot each in the three, on those three floors, then you're going to find something there that you're going to be comfortable with. Uh, the nar- narrative of the Bible is designed very Disney-esque, and it's designed for people who may not know a lot about the Bible, but it's a wonderful wonderful, magnificent presentation that people walk through for about 45 minutes, just dealing with the the, uh, the uh, Jewish texts, um, and they're going to get a really good understanding of what the, the uh, Hebrew Bible is about. So we've tried to design it with that in mind, knowing that uh, half of the people really coming to this museum will know little about the Bible. Can you talk a little bit about the unique relationship that you have with the state of Israel in in building this museum as well? Can you talk about some of the unique things that the Museum of the Bible will be doing with them uh, as it opens up uh, a year from now? Yes, it starts, uh, you know, my first trip to Israel was in 1983, so 33, 34 years ago, and uh, having made over 100 trips to Israel during that time, it's a, a pro. It's a yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's my second home. I even actually have an apartment there. So it's it's Israel's become a love affair for me and my family for uh, their whole life. And so it's it was not uh, difficult to uh, to uh, come to the conclusion that we had to have significant pieces within the museum that dealt with Israel because it's referred to as the land of the Bible, and truly it is. So. With that, and then just various relationships throughout the years, we were we were able to uh, bring in a substantial collection, uh, collections plural, that deal with uh, the Jewish roots of Christianity, which is a magnificent subject for anybody, no matter what their faith is, to understand that. And then also working with the Israel Antiquity Authority for them to have a facility in the museum that they will curate, and they will be able to bring over some of their two million treasures that they have, two million items that they have in their collection, and have them on exhibit in our museum. So it's a museum within a museum. And uh, and then also new discoveries and and many other things they're doing in the form of lectures and uh, labs that we will have a functioning lab there that be modeled after one that they use in Israel to look through uh, layers of writing and, and amazing discoveries they're making on the uh, uh, recently, on the Engedi find of uh, burnt Torah, burnt scrolls, that they were they were able to uh, look past the charcoal and see this amazing writing. So that kind of technology will be bringing in similar to Washington, and we're all we're dealing uh, all this through the uh, Israel Antiquity Authority. Folks, we're speaking with Carrie Summers, who's the president of the Museum of the Bible. Now, when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Carrie, and I'm excited to hear some of the great things that the Museum of the Bible is doing to reach out beyond the museum walls. Uh, It's doing it already. So stick with us, and we'll be back in a moment.
Museum of the Bible will be a great place to see some of the most important ancient biblical manuscripts and archaeological finds coming out of Israel. Archaeology is such an important tool to show a world that is skeptical of the Bible that the biblical accounts, in fact, are historical truth. I want to introduce you to two DVDs that we offer here at the Friends of Israel, The Exodus Revealed, highlighting the events surrounding Israel's exodus from Egypt, and Jericho Unearthed, which examines the site on one of Israel's most important battles. These two DVDs will give you the archaeological information to reveal and unearth the historical accuracy of these events. To order your copies of The Exodus Revealed and Jericho Unearthed, visit foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. Welcome back, folks. We are speaking with Carrie Summers, president of the Museum of the Bible. Uh, Carrie, thank you for spending some time with us. You know, a lot of times when people think of a museum, they just think they're going to look at things in a building and then they leave. But the Museum of the Bible is much different than that. Not only are you uh, bringing people into a building in Washington, D.C., but you're also doing a lot of things outside of the museum, and one of them being the Passages program. Can you speak to our audience a little bit about this amazing program that you have called Passages? Yes, it's a program that uh, we started uh, a couple of years ago, and it's something that many people have thought of over the years, um, and many have done similar programs, so it's not uh, unique in that regard. I think what's unique in it is that uh, we're sending college kids, uh, for, and right now we've sent over 100 college kids, 1,100 college kids from 100 universities uh, to to Israel, where the kids pay a small $500, and then the uh, museum pays the rest, uh, and and along with the Philos project, and uh, we joint efforts to do this. And what it allows them to do is they get to to walk where the Bible was created, not only have a much greater understanding of the Bible, and this is a 10-day, over a 10-day period, but they also get to see modern Israel. They get to visit technology sites. They they spend Shabbat uh, evening at, at a family's home. They understand the sort of the, the, Ju- the Jewish uh, influences of, of Christianity, but they also get to understand the modern-day Israel and the people of Israel. Uh, they hear uh, well over, uh, in their 10 days, they have between 10 and 12 lectures, so it's it's not for the faint of heart. He's got to be pretty hearty kids. <laughs> they, they have to eat dinner and then stay awake for these lectures. That's right. And they, and they love it, and it's been a, a, a huge success, uh, just an amazing success. And there have been similar programs. But nobody has done the depths we're doing. The only thing we ask of the kids is that, number one, is they write us a report after they get home. How did it impact you? And number two, share your experience with your college, your university, your youth group, your church, whatever it might be. And number three is hang with us for at least a year. We have a monthly conference call. They have a newsletter. They do videos. We have amazing follow-up. And then we have a, a retention program for sort of the best of the best, and those kids are trained to go back with future groups, so they become sort of the, you might call them the bus captain, and for other college kids. And uh, then we recently 
have um, introduced some additional programs that we'll be introducing in 2017 dealing with our excavation that we're taking on at Tel Shimron in the Jezreel Valley. So our whole point is that if the the museum in Washington is is the most interactive museum that we'll, I think we'll ever will find in recent times and it's it's terrific. But if that's all we do then we feel like that we really have not accomplished what uh, our objectives were, and that is to make the Bible the centerpiece of conversation globally and to influence, uh, uh, have the Bible influence as global as possible. So the program Passages is an extension of that museum, and uh, and hopefully we'll continue to send a few thousand kids a year is our goal, and then uh start impacting uh, college campuses around the U.S., and we also have a global program that we're introducing this year from kids from other countries to come in. And then, uh, then, in, and then hopefully these, are, these, are, uh, these young people who go are, are vetted. They're currently leaders within their schools or within their community, and hopefully they'll, this will give them a wonderful foundation, not only in their faith, but also a better understanding of uh, the complexities of the Middle East. Yeah, I met a young man who went on the Passages program, and I'm telling you, Carrie, his life was changed. It was an amazing moment to see how he, uh, speaking about Israel, speaking about uh, you know the Bible, putting the pieces together, it really, you could see it uh, it, it all came to life for him, and, and he was impacted forever. I, I want to speak about one more thing, because I saw you in a video not too long ago, and you looked like you were extremely excited to be at a high school, of all places, or, uh, in Ramadan. Matgan, Israel. And you were there because of a curriculum uh, that you were partnering with an Israeli company with there that's also with the Museum of the Bible in some way. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I just think that's an amazing story. Chris, it's it's one of the, it truly is. Uh, it, I'm uh, old enough to have a little understanding of amazing stories in Israel. And uh, this one is, uh, we developed the Bible curriculum Originally, we worked on it for distribution throughout the U.S., and that one day will will take place. But in the in that time period that it was being developed, we were having the um, electronic portion of this called augmented reality being developed in Ramagan, which is a it's part of Tel Aviv, uh, in a company called Compedia, uh, which is a real leader in uh, augmented reality, and they've been doing educational work through for many. At least two decades, uh, almost three, I guess. And they were working on augmented reality, which is no more than taking a tablet based uh, software that they created and uh, using a textbook and you overlay the, the tablet with the camera on the textbook and it brings the textbook to life in 3D images and maps and videos and so forth. And it's been used somewhat uh, in other education uh, processes, but never to this extent. So the mayor of Ramagan happened to be at that company, saw our curriculum laying there, asked if it could be created into uh, Hebrew, uh, translated, and, 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 and appropriate for Israel students, ninth grade primarily, and we said, we'll do that. And so we entered into the market with this uh, in Ramagan, and mayors have a great deal of say in certain curriculum in the, in their city. And we did it two years ago. And at the end of the first and second semester of the school year, 
there was about uh, 2,000 kids who had taken it. Uh, last year, it expanded past Ramagan into 75 schools, including Ashkelon, and uh, it was taken by, again, two semesters, about 6,000 kids. And the school year just started back uh, in Israel, and uh, it's now been expanded to 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, and it's now being taken by 100,000 kids in Israel. And this is these are young adults, high school and middle school students that are learning the Bible in their public schools. That's what we're saying. They're learning the history of the Bible, impact of the Bible. Yes, they're they're required to take Bible as a course in school, and they take it all the way up. I think up to the eleventh grade. This program overlays on what they're taking. It does not replace what they're taking, but it overlays on it and it makes it uh, brings it really somewhat to life and. That's why uh, the surveys that were taken even last year shows that that this is the, of all the courses these kids take, this one was rated as the most liked course that they take. And that's, if you think about that, uh, the most liked course in a public school is about the Bible. That's great. Yeah, quite different than what we could, you know, if we look at our own country here. Uh, Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, it's making a big impact, and because of that, other countries have found out about it, and it was going on in Israel. So we have now inquiries from all over the world, and we're testing it out in other parts of the world right now to see if it has the same kind of uh, impact. That's amazing. Folks, we've been speaking with Carrie Summers, president of the Museum of the Bible. Um, listen, if you, next year, the Museum of the Bible opens, November 2017. Carrie, how can people connect with the Museum of the Bible and find out more information? Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's very easy. Go to museumofthebible.org, and www. Museum of the Bible, and uh, they can go and uh, we'll, we'll have our ticketing information, group sales. It's uh, uh, volunteer donations to come in, but we do have organized times and uh, for groups and many, 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 many other programs that are involved in the museum will be online, and that will probably start right at uh, near Christmas or November, late November of this year. We'll be bringing all that information up, so it gives people a year. And I would suggest that if they do have groups, school groups or college groups, church groups that have interest in going, they do need to go online and start reserving the time slots uh, because the first year it's going to be extremely busy, and uh, we're going to have special opening hours for groups so that they can get in early and uh, give them uh, an opportunity to tour uh, before all the crowds hit. So we're trying to accommodate the best we can. But uh, just go to our website, Museum of the Bible, and uh, find all the information there. That's great, Carrie. Folks, this is honestly one of the most advanced museums I've ever seen in my life. Um, I really think it's going to have a great impact uh, for for the Bible in our culture. And uh, Carrie, thank you for your time, for spending it with us. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you, Chris. I'll remind you once more as we close that you can order both DVDs in our web store that I mentioned today, Jericho Unearthed and The Exodus Revealed. They're both on DVD, and you can order them by visiting foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. 
Or, again, if you've missed our website, it's foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. And I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry is supported by the generosity of people like you. And in fact, our ministry could not have existed since 1938 without Christians sensing the importance of what God is doing through the Friends of Israel. Would you prayerfully consider financially partnering with our ministry? You can find a donate link on our website to learn more about the ways you can support us. Once again, foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Thank you.